excited to be talking to you tonight. You're a little older than my usual audience, so you know I teach at uh, GPS. We're a six through twelve girls school. If you're not familiar with us, and I teach the computer science classes to eighth through twelfth graders, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But I want to start out by finding out a little bit about you guys. So I'd like to know, do you code? So, some of you, yeah, okay. That's cool, we got some coders, we got some non-coders, that's great. Um, I'd like, <laughs> we got some great sound music going for the coders, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I'd like to know, how did you learn? Anybody? School, some people learn in school, what else? Hmm? Trial and error, books, taught yourself, all right. So um, there's been a lot of hype lately, especially since last March when code.org was launched. Um, Hattie Partovi started that. And um, a lot of famous people getting in saying, we need more people to learn computer science. And uh, in Chattanooga, there's been a lot of news lately about trying to raise up computer science education and get it out to more people. And so I just want to talk about like why, where is this coming from? Why is it necessary? I certainly do believe it's necessary. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about my story. Um, I actually went to GPS. I moved to Chattanooga in the fourth grade, and so I feel like I grew up here. And when I went away to college, I was going to be a math teacher, and I was required to take a computer science class in college. And up to that point, I had never been exposed to computer science. Um, my high school, we didn't have it when I was a student there. Uh, if you wanted to take it, you had to go over to the boys' school, Macaulay. My best friend in high school is doing that. I was like, you're crazy. I don't even know what that is. Like, why would you want to go over there? So, I, you know, when I had to take it in college, it was an amazing surprise how much I loved it. I loved the logic. I loved the problem solving. And so I switched from a math major to a computer science major. And at the time, um, nobody told me that you could teach high school, they said if you want to teach, you have to get a PhD and you teach at the college level. Well, I wasn't going to do that. I didn't need a PhD. So uh, I decided that I would go into industry. Um, and so as I went through my computer science program, I really felt like I was late to the party. I was in classes with these guys. Uh, so I felt like they had been programming since they were babies. Um, for those of you who aren't coders, bubble sort is a very inefficient way to organize data. Um, so, you know, I just always felt like I wish I had learned this sooner. I could have had a different path uh, and known going into school that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so, sure, to make this story short, uh, I got out, I worked as a programmer for four years, I missed working with kids, and I went back to my high school to see if maybe they let me teach math, and they said, we actually need a computer science teacher. I thought, oh, that's awesome. So. Eight years later, here I am. Um, tonight's short story is that we need more coders. Okay? Um, the US Department of Labor is predicting that by 2020, 51% of all STEM jobs are going to be in the computing field. All right? uh, computing and math jobs are among the 10 top fastest growing jobs. Each year, they're saying there's 150,000 open jobs. By 2020, that's 1.5 million um, open jobs. And so we really, really need to start 
filling this pool. Um, in Tennessee alone, there was a report by Georgetown University Center on Education and the Workforce that says 47% of the jobs in Tennessee will be in computing. And I know with us being the gig city, like we're trying to bring in more tech. I know, I mean, we're glad that you all are here. We want more of you. So we're trying to raise up and have more people take these jobs, but we're really falling short. Um, the latest statistic, and I apologize, this one is a terrible chart for projection. So let me tell you a little bit about it um, from on these lovely TV screens. There are five majors listed there. There's architecture and engineering. In the yellow is computer science and mathematics. Then there's uh, life sciences, physical sciences, and social sciences. In each one of those groupings, there's a bunch of columns to the left, and those are people who are pursuing some sort of degree. A undergrad, an associate's, a bachelor's, a master's, a PhD, and the green column on the right is the number of available jobs. If you notice, math and computer science is the only category where if you stacked up all those people pursuing majors, we still don't have enough people for the jobs that are out there. So there are lots of jobs. Um, if you go to the high school level, uh, the only way we have national data is through the AP program. So we talk about AP computer science a lot. It certainly is not necessarily the answer to teaching kids computer science, but it's what we have data on. Um, so you'll notice these are just STEM fields, which is science, technology, engineering, and math. And over the last, um, what is that, 14 years, 1997 to 2011, you'll notice, you know, calculus is that top line growing really strong. Um, even all of the other STEM subjects have nice little growth there, and that bottom yellow line is computer science. Computer science in the schools that do teach it is still a discipline that people think that, oh, you know, I'm only going to take it if I know what it is and I'm going to major in it. That's just not that's just not going to, to fly if we're going to raise the number of people who know how to code. So let me stop for one second here and let's talk about what is computer science because this is the biggest problem I think facing us as we try to push for more education. Most administrators in schools, when they say computer science or when we say that to them, they think a bunch of these different things. They think computer literacy, which is just like, can you turn on the computer? Uh, they think technology education, using that, that, you know, various technology, iPads, computers, whatever. Ed tech, this is my favorite. I used to get pushed in that direction a lot. You need to be the educational technologist. That's using technology in other classes. Like, how are you going to use your iPad in your English class or your history class? Um, and then finally, programming and coding get thrown out there a lot. Um, computer science is so much more than that, though. Uh, this is the definition I use with my seventh graders, so bear with me. It is the study of whether and how a system or process can be created to solve a problem. And every time I say that to my seventh graders, they go, what does it have to do with weather? Not W-E-A-T-H-E-R. <laughs> W-A-G-T-H-E-R, yeah. So can we fix something? Can we write a program? Can we create some sort of system or process that solves a problem and makes life easier for people. So that's kind of hard to explain to people, which is why we're left with calling it coding, okay? 
And it's very clear when you say coding that you're not talking about using computers, you're talking about creating something with the computer and, and writing, um, writing programs. So the big question is how do we fix this problem? So how do we get more people in that pipeline? And I wanna stop for one second because I think everybody needs to learn computer science. They need to be exposed to it uh, because the skills that you learn in classes like that, you learn problem solving skills, you learn to think logically, you learn to write step-by-step -step instructions, you learn to persevere <laughs> through code that doesn't work. Um, and the, especially the problem solving aspect of it and having this giant thing you're trying to do and having to figure out what are the pieces that go into making it work, that's a huge skill that's vital in every discipline. Um, and I had a conversation with uh, an English teacher at school recently and I had this little light bulb go on. He thinks the same thing is true when you're writing a paragraph for English. I don't get that. I mean, honestly, I'm not an English person. That's my worst subject. I wrote the paragraph. It's there. Didn't I finish? Didn't I do it right? There's words. There's a topic sentence. Like, wasn't that good enough? Well, no, didn't quite, you know, meet all the standards. And so I have to kind of redesign it. And, you know, they always say the rough draft is the worst draft. Well, I only have rough drafts. So, oops. But with computer science and programming, I know if I didn't do it right, that's not going to work. And even if it runs, if it's not doing what I wanted it to do, I know I have to go back and redesign it. And I know if it's really slow, there's got to be a better way to do it. I get feedback, immediate feedback, concrete feedback that I need to keep working on it. Whereas when I write a paper, I'm like, it's done, it's awesome. So not, not according to uh, Mr. Wells. He never liked my papers. So how do we fix this problem? How do we get more people interested and involved? Well, the first thing we have to do is break the stereotypes. Um, a lot of people in the world, when they think of a computer scientist, they think of a white male. Let's look around this room. I see a lot of those. Um, so, first step, let's, we need to break that, stere that stereotype. We need people to feel like any kind of person could take a computer science class and uh, enjoy it and be good at it, and it could be a future for them. The next big thing is we need equitable access and exposure. What I mean by that is right now, I think the current statistic is 27% of high schools in America offer some sort of computing class. 27%, that's really small. So first of all, you have to be a kid that goes to that school to get to have computer science in school. Second of all, you have to, most of these schools, it's elective, so you have to choose to take that class. So you have to self-select in. If you're lucky enough to be in a place where there are after-school opportunities or weekend opportunities to learn how to program, that's great, but again, you have to choose to go to those things. So if we can get computer science education into all schools across our country, then it would be equitable. It wouldn't matter what your economic background is. It doesn't matter what part of the country you live in. Everybody would get exposed. And if we have more exposure to computer science, kids will have more of a chance to say, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. This is actually something I'd be interested in doing. And guess what? I'm good at it. So it's a chance to really get out there and 
expose this you know, whole new population of folks that right now don't choose to take it themselves. Also, if we have a diverse population going into the computing field, we're going to end up with diverse solutions. Uh, you know, technology has pervaded every single area of our lives, and we're dependent on the people who create that technology and write the software to help make our lives better. Well, I know I can think of things that, are, that would be helpful and, and work better than, say, James could or Brad. You know, we all have different ideas. The more people we have working on these coming from different backgrounds, the better the solutions will be for everyone. So real quick, I want to tell you a little bit about what we're doing um, in the city to try to raise up the level of computer science education. We're trying to change the face of computing. Um, at GPS, we have more of a traditional setting where we have classes, uh, and girls have to choose to take them. Starting sixth and seventh grade, we have computing classes that are required, and then after that, girls choose to take the classes, and I'm going to let them tell you a little bit about them for a minute. Oops, except I went too fast. There we In go. In Intro to Programming this year, we learned how to code to do a lot of different things. We learned how to program Lego robots to move around and dance to songs. We designed and coded apps in MIT App Inventor. Uh, we used OpenSCAD to code and design uh, projects to print on the new 3D printer in the library. And we also used Dr. Java to learn some basics of using Java to program things. Um, I wanted to do more with OpenSCAD for my final project in Intro to Programming because I really enjoy the blend of art and math that it, that it provides. It's like a mix of algebra, geometry, and artistry, and I just think that that's really cool. I really like APCS because it's different from all the other classes I take. Um, the only APs I've taken or that are available to me are AP History and AP Science. And there really are a select few computer science courses, and it's very great that this is an AP computer science course. Okay, I like AP computer science because it teaches us that being a nerd is actually cool and that being smart is for girls just as much as guys. And whether you like it or not, the world runs on computers, so it's good to know how to operate them. Okay, so sometimes it gets really frustrating if you can't figure out a problem in your code, but if you just keep persisting at it, then it feels really great when you figure it out. This past December, a few friends and I volunteered at the public library with GPS for the Hour of Code. We um, help kids, middle school children, um, learn about coding, and we just kind of shared our interests. Um, this is a continuation of the Computer Science Community Service Club, actually. I, for two years, have been volunteering with the middle school. It's been really fun. I've got to teach them how to use Scratch. They've been able to ask me questions and um, I've got to see them create really interesting games and it's been really fun. Um, I'd love to volunteer with GPS again and teach kids coding because I think it's important that I've gotten the opportunity to learn how to code but I think it's even more important to pass it on to like the newer kids and like the new high school students so that they can continue learning about computer science and what makes it so great. So that's just a little bit about what we're doing. Um, there, <laughs> hey. <laughs> um, 
We are certainly not the only school that has computer science classes, thank goodness, in our city. Now, there's not very many. Um, a couple other public schools have traditional classes like our classes where you have to choose to take them. But there's a really awesome new outside-of-the-box thinking happening over at the STEM school. So the, the STEM school, for those of you who haven't heard about it, is a special charter school um, hosted at Chattanooga State, right? It's the second year of having that. So they have ninth graders and 10th graders right now. And they decided um, to incorporate a unit of coding, a six-week unit of coding for all 10th graders, and they budgeted it, it into their uh, project-based learning time, which is about 40 minutes a day. Now, they don't have a dedicated computer science teacher, so what they did instead was brought in a professional expert, our very own James McNutt over there. Uh, James is a technology educator. through uh, He works through the library and Engage 3D, and he runs the awesome Dev Dev summer camp. Um, to teach local kids how to code. And so he worked as the expert, and he would go in about once a week to kind of help answer questions, but here's where the model is really different. They've created student masters. So some students were invited to become the masters, and they worked on the lessons. I think it was through, was it Code Academy? They used Code Academy to learn Python, and the students worked ahead so that they would complete the lessons before the rest of their classmates started so that they could be the student masters in the classroom. So James didn't have to be there every day. The first wave of questions went to the student masters. And if they couldn't help each other, then when James came in for the week, he would help fix whatever other problems. So the teacher in the classroom didn't have to be the expert on how to do this. We, we facilitated that teacher just had to be the facilitator to make sure kids were keeping up with what was going on. And that's a really awesome way to bring coding in um, because, you know, there's not, it's not like there's a big lineup of computer science experts out there who are just waiting for those teaching jobs to come along. Uh, I wish that was the case, but it's not. And at the same time, there's not a big line of current teachers just, just chomping at the bit to learn computer science. So this is a way where we can get those skills into schools now and expose everyone without having to have that expert. So um, there's been a new movement in Chattanooga. We have started, um, we don't have an official name yet. I call us the Code Partnership through the STEM Innovation Hub and the library, and I'm part of it, and some local developers are part of it. And we are trying to organize our computer science education efforts together, so bringing more into schools, doing more outreach on the weekends and after school. Um, I'm sure you're all thinking, how can you help? We need more experts. So I would encourage you, uh, if you are at all interested, we would love your help. We would love to get you involved working with um, kids on the weekend if you want, or if you want to help be one of those experts in the classroom. Um, please join our code partnership, and you can shoot me an email or contact me on Twitter, and uh, I will pass your name along to Carrie Randolph from the STEM Innovation Hub. She's kind of coordinating it all. And you can actually help us come up with our name. Uh, I've been calling it the code partnership, but we, don't have, we, don't, we haven't been branded yet, so we need a branding meeting. Um, but yeah, we would, love, we would love more help with that. So thank you all. Thank you.